Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. I want to just go over a few things tonight just to remind me and to remind you that word living and what it means in the Bible and what it means in, in the, the Greek language especially. It means quick. And we talked last week about how quick means alive and something that's creating, something that's breathing, something that's, that's not dormant, that's actually living. And the King James Version I love, it says in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is quick and it's alive and creating. Then we were, went back to Genesis and we looked at the word God, God in the beginning made heaven and earth and we looked at that word god which is that word in hebrew elohim and it's actually a plural version of the word he so we looked at how god in the very beginning wasn't just god the father but how he started us towards jesus christ towards his son towards the word of god towards the holy spirit from the very very beginning and it's and it's neat to go back and realize is is I have only in the last few years that Jesus didn't just show up on the scene. It, he didn't just kind of appear in Nazareth and people thought, you know, where did this guy come from? He was not only prophesied about, but God himself through speaking his word to the writer of Genesis. He was able to even understand that God at that time was more than one person. And that that word in the Hebrew is let us make, if you look at Genesis 1.26. And then John 1.1, we talked about how the word last week was with God and the word was God and the word is Jesus Christ. And the word in John 1.14 was made flesh. So it wasn't that the word didn't pre-exist. It was that Jesus, in Jesus, the word was made flesh that literally this living breathing quick word that that we have in our houses and have so much access to today that that when we open it when we read it when we pray it when we speak it it's alive and it's living and breathing and it does in us and through us and to us and to others that which only God can do because he's the creator there is nothing impossible for him and if there's some prayer that you have that you feel like is not being answered or hasn't been answered or God, where are you on this? He is there because the living word is here with us and he cares about us. He cares about our every need. He's a perfect heavenly father. And I've joked before, you know, sometimes I wish he was early um, he doesn't ever seem to be early with my prayers. I sometimes think he's late, but he's not. He's always on time, and he has a perfect timing. And that's part of just letting go as a parent, for me, is realizing God has a perfect timing. I know there's a human will and a human desire, but there's so many things that seem too late. There's so many things that seem like there's no way that it's humanly possible, medically possible, physically possible. It's never been heard of, and it's too late. And God really actually likes those situations because that's when he can shine. That's when he can really show himself strong. 
when I was um, in the hospital with leukemia and I was taking chemo, I had a nurse during a 12-hour shift forget to give me these steroid eye drops. And it changed the shape of my um, part of my eye. And anyway, it, it, it distorted my vision for a long time. And I was told by the doctor that if it didn't improve within a certain amount of time, that it wasn't going to improve. And I could see my hand about a foot uh, from my face. And then anything beyond that was a blur, a complete blur. So I went from 20-20 vision to I can't see. I went from hair down to the middle of my back to bald. And um, I can promise you that you kind of start to change your identity when your identity changes on the outside and you start to really perceive who you really are in Christ. That's what's so great about knowing him as we go through a trial is because we don't lose ourselves. We don't have ourselves identified with anything other than him. And I, I just remember looking at, um, I had made a poster board, or actually a friend had. I made one later too, but it just said Luke 137, all things are possible with God. And and I had put that in front of my hospital bed, and I was just determined that it was going to stay there until I could read it. And one month went by, and two months went by, and way past the time that that my eyes were supposed to be better and um they just stayed the same and then finally finally in God's perfect time they were healed and I still have things today that I'm waiting for God to do don't you See, faith isn't having all the answers tonight faith is knowing that God loves us he cares for us we're his children. He is the answer. We don't need to look for the answer. And sometimes we need to realize we don't even need to ask for the answer. We need to say, God, you are the answer. And I do think that's the hardest to do as a parent. And that's why I love it that God calls us his children and that he's our father. And as much as Jesus came in and revealed himself as God's Word, God's living word and a, and a part of God and there from the creation of the world, as, as we discussed last week, I wanted to discuss this week about how God is revealed through Jesus. Jesus, the Logos word, and remember we talked about how Logos, the primary word for Logos is the word Lego, and we all know those as little building blocks that children use to play with. And we wonder, why did they name them Lego? Well, it's from that same Greek word. And it's the little building blocks of everything, of life. And if you can think of the Word of God and Jesus, the Word of God, as being the building block of everything that created the world, the Legos, and that words in and of themselves, especially God's Word, is creative and active. It's still doing the same thing it ever did because Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we need to see words as living, breathing things and need to see God as Christ, the living word. I don't know what made me think of this. <laughs> Probably just the hour of the day. For me, it's late. I got up at 4.30 this morning. Do not ask me why. 
I've been trained by my husband after 22 years to wake up the roosters, and I don't know. I was used to be a night person, and I used to be really fun. And now, like around 8 o'clock, I'm like, oh. I'm, it's really sad when you're so excited to go to bed. Don't you think that's kind of... Don't you remember when you just couldn't wait to stay up? I stayed up all night long. And now I'm like, oh, just to be able to go to bed is just the nicest thing. But uh, I just thought of this randomly. When my daughter, our 16-year-old, was a little girl, and she would be finishing her sentence. And sometimes, I know it's going to be really hard for you all to imagine this, but I would interrupt her before she could finish. Okay, laughter is not necessary unless a joke is given. But she would be, you know, trying to finish her sentence, and then I would say, oh, okay, yes, and I'd give her the answer. And and at one point she said, Mommy, you got to quit stepping on my words. And I thought, that makes so much sense. You know, we need to see words as out there and powerful and alive and that Jesus, the living word, is really out there, powerful and alive. And when we speak his word, it's out there, powerful and alive. And when we speak his word over your situation tonight and say that he will forgive all of your sins and, and heal all your diseases and redeem your life in the pit and crown you with loving kindness and compassion and restore your youth like the eagle and satisfy your years with good things, we are speaking love life over that situation, that person, that loved one. And when we speak life over things, we're not ever not telling the truth. See, faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So, so many times, facts, real life facts, show us that there is an impossible situation. But if we truly live in faith, We can believe God that he will work his will in his perfect way out of that situation, no matter what it is. And we have to get to know him because we have to know him, to trust him, to love him. And we realize that we love him as we know God is love. We don't even really understand or know love apart from God. I had an an email from a, a junior in high school a guy just seeking answers about college dating. And he said, you know, there's so many books written about promiscuity. I'd like to have something written about, you know, how can you have a healthy college dating relationship? Of course, my mind started buzzing like, man, this would be a fun book to write, wouldn't it? I answered about 14 of his questions, all of them through the word of God. I can't even answer through my own knowledge, but it's like my heart just wants to stand up on the end of the world and tell every junior boy in high school this or junior girl or college age student that God's way is better (laughs) and his timing is perfect. And if we could be at the end of, of, of where we are now We would say, God, I don't know why I didn't trust you there. I'm so thankful. And that's so hard for us to do because we want to figure it out. Figure it out, figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. God removed those three words from my vocabulary about three years ago. Because I found that I was saying that all the time. (laughs) 
A friend would say, well, you know, what are you going to do? You have to do this and that and that. And I'll say, I don't know. I'll just figure it out and I'll figure it out. And God just kind of put that red light on me and said, stop. I'm God and you're not. And so often we love other people so much that we want to be God for them. We want to be the Holy Spirit for them. We want to be their healer. We want to be their provider. We want to be their everything. And we can't because that's God's place. It may sound like an insult to Lacey, and I don't mean it this way, but he's not my provider. He's my husband, and he provides for us, and he works hard, and he's diligent, and he's a hard worker. But God is my provider. And as much as I've tried to be put Lacey as my healer through all of the different physical things that I've been through, which some of you in this room know well, some of you on radio don't know, but I've been through a slew of crazy things that if you didn't know me and didn't go through them with me, I would sound like a chronic liar. That's what my sister said. That was not the one that's Pollyanna, but the other one, the cynical one, kind of, sort of. I'm joking. She's not. She's just really one of those real honest people. That you can be going through something really horrific in your life and she'll just say something like, have you used your tweezers lately? And you're thinking, what? What? She, she's a nurse. And so she used calls everything by name and we're just not going to go into that. But um, she says that just looking at my life and, and I know I've, I've spent so many years trying to ask Lacey, you you pray for me. You believe. Um, you fix it. Please. You know, so often little children can do that until we find out on that horribly clear day that our parents are not omniscient and all-knowing and, and, and perfect. I don't know when it dawns on us. I'm thinking my children learn that at like six months when I put their diapers on backwards. <laughs> Yours may be still discovering that at age 15. I don't know, but I know that there comes that time where it's like, Mom, Dad, you're not it. It's God. And I love Jesus, the Word of God, because He reveals not only God in the creation of the world in us, but He reveals to us God the Father. See, throughout the ages, people desired to see God as He really was. And it's only through the old, the New Testament that we get this fuller picture, this puzzle piece like we talked about before that's been missing. And we can see Jesus and know that that's a perfect reflection of God. In John 14, 9, Jesus reveals one of the greatest truths ever imparted from God to man because he's the son of man and the son of God, sinless and perfect. And he came in the flesh to communicate with us and to show us, if you see me, you've seen the Father. This is perhaps the greatest revelation that he ever gave to us, is to say, basically, anyone who has seen me, who has watched me, who has read about me, who knows me, knows the Father. I am the perfect representation, an image of my Heavenly Father. It's like he's saying, I'm his namesake. Remember when we used to say namesake? Like, this is my little namesake. Well, it's like that 
is my grandchild or that is someone named after me and my family. And it's like God's namesake is Jesus. But Jesus meaning the Logos living word of God. And God is saying, I am the word and I'm living. And what is our responsibility? I believe so much of our responsibility is to know the word, read the word and speak the word. I sometimes have wondered, you know, God, what are we supposed to be doing down here? You know, and I know that we're supposed to glorify him with our lives. We're supposed to learn to worship him like we'll worship him in eternity. But what are we supposed to be doing down here to affect our situation? Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so Jesus reveals to us this bigger picture of God and who God is and and who God really loves, which is people. And that sounds like the most simplified statement I could ever make. But it's taken me so long to figure that out. He's not interested in numbers. Um, he's not interested in huge companies and all these different impressive figures. God cares about People in a job well done for me or for you is not checking off our list, is not getting as much done in one day as possible, is not memorizing as much scripture as possible unless that's what God uh, tells us to do. It's caring about his people. And Jesus came to this earth to show his love, God's love for people. And we forget that. It's so easy to forget that, especially when we're moving so quickly and we're going through our life so quickly. And I don't know why it's taken me this long. I'm, I'm, I'm almost 43, and it has only been in probably the last five or six years that I've literally scheduled in whatever God wants time because I'm kind of a scheduler. And I learned that God kind of created me that way. I tried to unschedule myself and become really bohemian and never have a schedule and never have a list. And that lasted all of about one hour until I found myself checking off a list again. So I realized, well, God's created me this way. And I realized that I need to just in the morning say, God, you've got my schedule. This is what I think I'm going to do. But I don't have it figured out. And if you want to interrupt it, you interrupt it any time. And I can promise you, he interrupts it almost every day. And it used to be so uncomfortable to me until I realized God interruptions are amazing. They're opportunities. So many times in our lives, how many times do we not even know about in our lives that God has interrupted us with someone, a needy person, a person at the cleaners that won't stop talking, a, a person that stops us at the grocery store, a, a person that's on the other end of the phone who's calling about us purchasing something that we don't want during a time which we don't want, and we're asking ourselves, why did I answer the phone? And the Holy Spirit's like, will you be kind? How many times have we missed that opportunity thinking of it as a nuisance? It's so awesome to be able to say, God, you know, here's my day, take it, here's my life, take it, and to know that what Jesus showed us 
is that he cared about people. God cared about people. God himself, through Jesus Christ, poured himself into 12 people. Poured himself into 12 people. Now, if I said I have a church program in which I'm going to pour myself into 12 people, I would probably be told that is a not a good model. That is not an efficient model. That is not a lifelong goal. See, God's ways are so different than our ways. And Jesus particularly poured himself into three people and loved them so much. And I want you to know that he loves you so much. And there's a, a woman named Corey Ten Boom, and she's long been in heaven with, with the Lord. And one of my most biggest heroes, Jeanette Dixon, is um, perhaps without a miracle or with a miracle going to go live with Jesus soon and this life is so temporal and it took Corey a while with her decisiveness and perhaps even her type A personality to really realize that people are important and she was on her way in Africa to speak at some prison and some men were driving her in some tiny little car and she said it just seemed like every few miles they'd pick up another person. And she kept thinking, we're going to be late to the prison. I'm going to be late to my appointment. I need to speak at this prison. I have to be on a schedule. And she also thought, we can't fit one more person or one more chicken or one more thing in this car. And then she realized in her heart, the Holy Spirit revealed to her that it's not a destination, really. We're always seeming to go to a destination. Really, Christianity isn't about a destination. It's about the way. We're called the way. It's all about the voyage and who you love on the way and what you do with what you have on the way. And as one of my friends who's going through an incredibly difficult time today said, if you can dance in the rain, that's the sacrifice of joy is to give God praise and say, I trust you when it is storming outside. When everything looks terrible, I trust you. And yet we can't do that just by a decision. We have to do that by getting to know God through his word, Jesus Christ. So I wanted us to look at something in the Old Testament that all of the prophets, all of the people desired the ones that truly love God and love the scriptures and love the law, desired to know God. And he was not within their reach of a personal, personal relationship, except for just a few. And he had a relationship special with Moses and Moses yearned to see God and said, God, show me, show me your glory. And we won't go back to that story, but. My deepest feeling is that God's glory is his mercy in Jesus Christ. Moses was only allowed to see the back of God. And God said, I am mercy. I am merciful, basically, to Moses. And so today we can say, you know, God's glory is revealed in Jesus Christ. It is revealed in his word. And it's revealed at first through a man named John. And John comes and tells us 
something that we already know, but I love the way the word confirms itself and confirms itself, confirming itself, and then confirms itself, confirming itself, confirming itself. I'm saying that you look in Genesis and it's cohesive with Revelations, the end of the Bible. You look at the beginning of the Bible and the middle of the Bible and it's all centered around Jesus, the Logos, living word, God's son, our life, our real life. And I don't know how depressed I would be. I have to be honest with you. If I thought this is it, I mean, nothing against my family, nothing against the blessings that God's given me. But I've spent a good 30-something years down here hurting physically pretty bad. Matter of fact, I just got up off of my bed with my head in traction. What if I thought that? This is not it. This is not over. God has not finished. All things are possible. And I only have one responsibility, and that's to trust him now, tonight. I don't even have the grace to trust him tomorrow. And that's what we like, you know. God, if you just give me enough grace for the next 15 to 20 years, then I'll have faith. Wait, you don't need faith if you have grace to trust him for 15 or 20 years. You need faith to go step by step and trust him tonight so that I can say I'm not going to be anxious for anything. But in everything, with prayer and with asking, with supplications, I'm going to make my request be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Who is Jesus Christ? Will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You know, some of us are naturally more anxious, fearful people. And those people who have situations in their lives that are extreme or that are personality types that are more anxious and fearful. When we're not in the word, you you really know it after a couple of days because it's I don't know, I'm too I got overwhelmed, I don't know, you know, or tempers start getting quick or you know, you can start to see things coming out of those personality types. And then there's other people who are so laid back that any little bitty wind would blow them over and I don't understand that personality type at all. But I think most of us if we really want to admit it, would like to be God over our own lives. I know my nine-year-old would. He would like to have chocolate mint ice cream every single meal. And really, I can't explain to him why his body needs other nutrients to the point where he will understand it enough to the point where he will be motivated to eat celery or oranges or bananas. See, God is God of our life. And even those things that Satan or others mean for evil, he can use for good. One phrase that has resounded in my life over and over again is that somehow, in spite of me, even when other people for me choose plan Z when God had a plan A, or even when I choose plan Y when God had a plan A, no matter what, no matter how far away it is from God's perfect will, when I lift it up to him, he can take that plan Z, that plan Y, and make it better than plan A. And you say, well, how does he do that? And all I can say is, well, it's like he's God or something. He's God. 
And Jesus shows us God by showing us how much he loves us as individuals, how much he cares about each one of us. And he sent a man who was related to him through his flesh named John. And John says some really confusing things, unless you realize what we are already been talking about, that Jesus was there in the beginning, and the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we look at John in, in John 1, 15, and it says that this man, John, was a prophet, and he came and he testified concerning Jesus, and he cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Now, if you didn't understand that in the Hebrew language that God was plural, if you didn't understand that God the whole time throughout creation was pointing to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, if you really weren't seeking the scriptures and seeking the truth, that would perplex you. That would perplex anybody. But when we're seeking the truth and really desiring to know God, it's amazing how things start making sense. And it's amazing how God reveals himself and promises that if we seek the truth, that the truth will be known to us. I've been praying a lot with a friend in another state about a situation and she has someone that she's very close to in her life that is definitely seeking but this certain individual is not seeking the truth this certain individual is seeking the convenient answer i don't know about you but i i've done that before this person is seeking um a religion that already fits her lifestyle so sometimes we have to be honest with ourselves and say, God, am I really seeking the truth? Am I really seeking you? Or am I just seeking an easy answer? Or am I seeking something that, that I can fit into and, and that'll be easy for me because I'm already, I'm already molded that way? Or is it something that, that we know in our hearts that it may be completely different, it may turn my life upside down, but I want the truth. I believe that when Corey Ten Boom realized that it was God's will to pick up each of those individual persons alongside the road in Africa, and it was God's will to love them and to sit in a cramped car for however many hours. I think she said it was like 10 hours or something. And it was God's will because he likes and loves for us to reach out to people along the way. And that's so much more important than the destination. I think it was Lee Iacocca that, I don't remember his exact words, but it was something to the effect of, you know, it's lonely up here at the top. And what's up here? And I don't know that all of us in this room have reached such a pinnacle. I know that, that I haven't. Um, but the top of what? My daughter used to have some little, oh, forgive me if I offend anybody, but... Um, some little kind of hippie book about worms that all crawled on the top of one another just to get to the top. Does anyone have any idea what I'm talking about? Okay, I'm going to bring it next time so you all will know that I'm, I am off medication. Um, but it was about 
literally how sometimes we just crawl, crawl, crawl to the top and then we get there and think, what is there? You know what's going to count at the beginning of our life? And I say the beginning because I really think that it's incorrect in a lot of ways to say the end. Because when we go to be with Jesus forever, that's the beginning. All the people that we love before that knew Jesus Christ are in our future, not our past. And so when we get to the beginning and we step up with Jesus, what's going to count? I believe it's going to be not only that we knew God's son, Jesus Christ, but did you love people? I put certain people in your family and I put certain people in your path and I put certain people around you. Did you love them? Did you take time to listen to them? Or were you too busy getting to a destination of what? Jesus stopped and loved people. And John stopped and loved people. John, Jesus' cousin, began baptizing people in the name of the Lord and saying, God is coming. He says in John 1.17, The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, has made him known. John is writing John the disciple concerning Jesus in the times of John the Baptist that no one has ever known God or seen God. But we have now that we've seen and known Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself said to Philip, if you have seen me, You've seen the Father. And that's why when people say, well, Kathleen, I want to know more about the Word of God, I usually don't say, oh, well, read Leviticus, you know? Or I don't say, well, we'll start in Genesis and look up all the words in Hebrew and um, make sure you learn all of the genealogies. To know God, to really have an intimate relationship with Him, to, to use that Greek word know, that word gnosko, to, to truly be at one with God, it's through the atonement. That word atonement was created to express at one meant. It's through Jesus that we see the Father, that we see who he really is. And it's through his life that God is truly revealed to us. It's interesting how the prophecies all through the world and all through the word proclaimed the coming of Jesus Christ. First, they proclaimed his first coming, and now they're proclaiming his second coming. And how people, during the proclaiming of his first coming, and even when he first came, they didn't see him because they weren't looking for him. And how he's coming again, and he said, nobody will miss me this time. He's real, and he's alive, and he is our life. And he wants to do so much in our life. In the words of Isaiah the prophet, he says, I am the voice of the one calling in the desert. He's talking about John the Baptist or John the baptizer, as it says in some translations. Make straight the way for the Lord. In Isaiah 40, verse 3, it says, A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight the wilderness, a highway for our God. How even the life of John the Baptist, this preparing the way for the Lord, was prophesied. In the Old Testament, it's like sign, 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 sign as you drive down 
a street and you're trying to make your way in a city, which I am really, really not good at. Lacey says I can find my way through any mall in any town in any country, whether I've ever been there or not. But you get me to drive someplace where I've never been and I lose track because I don't look at the signs so much. And we as Christians need to know the word so that we can have our eyes open to the signs of his second coming. Just as then in that day, the Pharisees and the Levites and the prophets and the people that knew the scripture needed to know it on a personal level and be waiting to see the signs of Christ's coming. Just as we can practice every day, God, show me when you're coming. Show me, show me some signs. Sometimes we try to do the really big stuff before we do the really little stuff. Sometimes the signs are simply just loving someone in your path that day. and God shows you a sign. You know, you ask God, use me today. Let me be a light to someone. And then someone tracks you down and wants to talk to you about something that you don't want to talk about at a time you don't want to talk about it. And they're going on and on and on. And you're thinking, this is inconvenient. Well, that's usually God's sign of, I want you to love that person. Life is inconvenient. Matter of fact, it's not our home. I told my mom on the phone tonight, she's out of town. She is already grieving the loss of so many dear friends that she grew up with. And I said, Mom, sometimes I get homesick. And I'm not talking about Earth because I live in the city I grew up in. I'm talking about the fact that we don't belong here. We don't live here. That's why we aren't comfortable. That's why we don't have constant and total and complete rest outside of God. And that's why when I do get back in the word of God, it's like pulling up a warm blanket around a frigid, cold body. It's like getting into a hot, warm bath or a steamy shower. It's, it's truly just a rejoicing to me, and it changes me, and it takes me to a place where I'm safe. I believe that's what the psalmist meant when he said, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my fortress, my stronghold, the God in whom I trust. We could go on and on about Psalm 91, but he's talking about within this place called earth and within this inconsistency of people and within places that are evil and within things that don't make sense, I can still rest in God. And Jesus shows us that. And that's what I'm excited to talk about, especially the next couple of of uh, Wednesdays. I love the way Isaiah looks at, it's like looking forward. The Old Testament's constantly looking forward. And Isaiah says in Isaiah 54, verse 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God. God's thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, said the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth and so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And if you think that you have a plan better than God, it might be time to repent. It might be time to say, hey, I'm full of pride here. 
Because I've offered God lots of my plans and solutions. He's hardly ever taken them. He, but he always does something better. And how does he do that? Lacey and I say, you know, it's amazing how God doesn't seem to move until neither of us can do anything. No one can do anything. Our back is up against the wall and something has to happen. And then God moves. But isn't it great as one of his children to say, I'm learning to just rest in those times. I'm learning to just trust his word in those times. We can only do that through getting to know Jesus, knowing how trustworthy he is, and then constantly staying with him. Because we can slip out of this word and into the world and into worry and into fear and into anger and into pride and into telling God what he should do, when he should do it, and how he should do it. And that is not a good place to be. That's an angry person. That's a scared person. That's the world. And we're supposed to be known as believers of Jesus Christ by our love. In 2 Corinthians 10, it says one thing that means so much to me. It says love never fails. So if I say, God, your plan, not mine, I will not fail. He will not fail me. He will not fail my children. He will not fail his promises. God never fails. His word never fails. And Jesus came and showed us that and said, not only does my father's word never fail, but I'm going to show you through my life how to love other people. I'm going to show you through my life how to love God I'm going to show you through my death how much he loves you. So good. I just really would like to know if you would raise your hand, who is the person that got me off on the wild tangent tonight, completely off my notes because I really don't appreciate it. You're going through something and you've been praying for somebody to speak directly to you. And um, now I might as well just throw them out. And this has happened before in my life, but it's really apparent tonight. I've learned to follow the signs in John I love that book, and, you know, I do direct people, if you want to read and learn more about Jesus, learn more about the love of God, read the book of John. Because Jesus is revealed in that book, and in Matthew, and in Mark, and the Gospels, and in Luke. But there's something different about the book of John. It doesn't mean that it's the best or the most prolific, even, but John called himself the disciple that Jesus loved. And that used to really get on my nerves. I have to be honest with you. I kind of relate to Peter, or I used to relate to Peter a whole lot more than John because Peter would always put his foot in his mouth and kind of say the wrong thing, and he was the first person to get out of the boat, and then he'd sink, and then he'd yell at God, and then he'd ask for help, and then then he said, I'll never deny you, and then the cock crowed three times, and he denied him, and then, you know, it's like Jesus... Just love Peter, but Peter was just out there. And yet Jesus said, hey, you're the rock in which I'm going to build my church that nothing can prevail over. But I'm starting to understand being able to say, I am the child who God loves. See, because I used to get on my face on the floor, especially in physical pain, and say, Jesus, love me too. You do a miracle for me too. 
change that situation for me too. And I don't know his timing. I don't know his plan. I don't know why he's done things and not done things and done miracles in my life and why I'm still waiting on some things. But I know that he loves me more than life itself. He created me. And I can say I'm the one that Jesus loves. I'm not just Peter anymore who's like out there and, you know, trying to follow God and willing to walk on water and... You know, because I have that personality type. I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll try it. I'll speak in front of a group of people I don't even know and go on radio and tell them about how often my husband and I get in fights. I mean, Lacey at one point goes, does the whole city of San Antonio have to know when we get in fights? I said, no, only people that want, listen to K-Drive radio know when we get in fights. And it's usually like way after we've gotten in the fight. And then we have to laugh about the fact that we never get in fights, just very loud disagreements. But... um and not that they're that loud, but um, actually, we get along perfectly. You really want to know the truth. Jesus loves us and says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you'd know my Father as well. From now on, you know him, and you've seen him, because you've seen me. Are you trying to get to know God or stay in relationship with God through anything other than Jesus? Because, see, if I tried to love God through my circumstances, I would be in a big mess. If I tried to love God through even how my own earthly parents loved me, even though they were good parents, I'd be in a big mess. God never says, learn to love me through your circumstances. Learn to, learn me, learn to love me through the answered prayer that I do. Learn to love me through... Um, the spouse that I sent you. Learn to love me by the things that are going right and wrong in your life. No, he says, love me by my word. My word is the truth. Jesus is the way to God and the truth. And I sound like I was kidding when I said I was really, really, really off my notes. But I really, really, really am. I had absolutely no intention of saying about 95% of the things that that were just said, and I believe with all of my heart that the Lord is sincerely speaking to each one of us about our own idea for our life, how it's going to go, where it's going to go, how it's going to be, how it should be. And if we could plan it, we would have chocolate mint ice cream every meal. Nothing would ever go wrong. It's like we wouldn't have any character. We would just go, oh, just pray, you know. And I don't know about you, but when you're going through something, the last thing you want is for someone to go, oh, it'll work out. Just pray. It always works out for me every time. First prayer. It just always comes together. You just want to go and squeeze their little neck. It helps so much more to have someone go, I will be down on my knees with you and I will not quit. I know God will not quit. I know that one day we'll know why this is happening, but I do not know why. But I do know one thing. He loves you. See, I'm the one that Jesus loved, John would say. I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. John understood Christ's love. Do you? Do you understand it? Through his word? Don't try to understand it through your circumstances. Don't try to understand it through the fallen world. Don't try to understand it even through another human being because they will let you down. Through your loving 
Heavenly Father who says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, which is really almost inconceivable for us who love our children, that none should perish but come to eternal life. And he wants us to come to that life tonight with him through his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I lift up to you tonight situations and circumstances that seem completely impossible. And we want to reaffirm to you, to ourselves, to the Holy Spirit who resides within each of us as believers that nothing is impossible to God. And we want to admit to you right now that we are not God. We don't know best. We wish we did. But if God loves us with a perfect love, and even us as earthly parents, you say in your word that if our son would ask for a fish, would we give him a snake? If he asked for bread, would we give him a stone? No, but even us as imperfect earthly parents would give all that we could. We know so much more, our Heavenly Father. Help us, Lord, to look beyond today and know that our future is with you. But it does start tonight in trusting you. Hold us up. Hold us together. Help us to hold one another. And Lord, teach us how to love you back. In Jesus' name. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.